All right. Boy, who could know or who would know that Mike Woods would be such a good announcement guy, huh? Wasn't that cool? That's awesome. Well, lots of good things. God is uh, working and moving all around our church body. And I also wanted to extend a thank you to the women who showed up this weekend. Saturday, went out and walked the property and prayed for our church, for the staff, for what God is doing. And I believe uh, with all my heart that those are the kind of things that will result in God moving in our midst. And so thank you, ladies, for coming to pray. If you didn't get a chance, join them next time. I think they're going to do it again uh, next quarter. So take your Bibles, if you would. Open them to Ephesians chapter 5. We've been talking about walk this way. Walk what way? Walk in the way that Paul is outlining in Ephesians in the fifth chapter. He said there's something very specific about walking, living our life, the way we pattern life, organize it, and, and, and our sort of our lifestyle, what we do in life. And last week we talked about the, the first part of that was to walk in love. And today we're going to look at the next passage and it refers to walking in light. And, and we're going to really dig down and see what that means. Now you're turning to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 8. But before we read the first verse, I want you to imagine this with me. Imagine for just a moment that every source of light on the planet. So, so just think about what that encompasses, of course. Take the sun, the moon out, the stars, and then all the electricity. So that's, you know, computers, phones, night lights, overhead lights. And then take out all the sources of flame, lamps, candles. Remove it all from the world instantaneously. What would this life be like? If that just happened to us, miraculously right now, and we sort of stumbled and groped and felt our way outside as if it was going to be any better outside, and it was just as black outside, we could not see the person in front of us, how would life change for you? Wouldn't life be radically different? Wouldn't we have to find a whole new way to live life? We would, wouldn't we? We, we kind of take it for granted because we live in a, a day and an age which is the electronic age and industrial age, but, but back in the day when this was written, the flame was the only source of light. A fire was it. If you didn't have fire, you didn't have light, and it was black other than the sun and the moon. With that in mind, the concept of light is shown right here, chapter 5, verse 8. Read with me. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is the light. So we're going to talk about this concept of light, and, and, and all throughout the entire Bible, really, from Genesis 1, verse 3, we're going to look at very briefly, all the way through the end of Revelation, light has a double meaning. There's the literal light that, that we talked about that gives us illumination, shows us where we can go and provides um, visible illumination. But then there's also this light that we want to look at that's deeper than that, the light that comes from God. So let's look at three things very quickly together this morning. What really is light? I did some reading this week on, on, you know, like physically, scientifically what light is, and I was more confused than when I started reading. So I'm not going to try to explain it to you scientifically, but this light can be found first in the presence of God, and he explains to us what light is, the presence of God. For you were once darkness, it said in verse 8, but now you are light in the Lord. Notice what it says. It does not say you were once in darkness and now you are in the light. It says you once were darkness. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So he's talking to the church. He's talking to people who have experienced redemption through the blood of Christ, who have been illuminated. There has been a new light source given to those who have trusted Christ where they didn't have it before, because we were darkness before. Everything that we knew, everything that we were, emotionally, spiritually, physically, was as if we lived in a world that was completely pitch black 
But the instant we trusted Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and we were born into the Spirit of God, and He came to dwell within us, it was as if we became instantly all that is light. Light is the presence of God. Now, I want to show you that, and are you ready to, can we turn to some different passages this morning? Can we use our Bibles a little bit together this morning? Okay, if you don't have one and you want to just take some notes, look it up later. But if you do, follow along with me. I'm going to show you a couple things, and we're going to sort of trace a trail here. We're going to follow the trail of light in the scriptures. Just, just briefly, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 to, to show us how is it that God is light. And in his light is his, his very presence is where we find him. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. Are you there, 2 Corinthians 4? If you're there, say light. Light. That's we're going to look for it right here. All right, second, second Corinthians chapter 4. My mind is working so much faster than my mouth right now. I can't even tell you how it locks me up. There's so much to talk about, so much truth here that's so helpful to us. Take a look. In verses 1 through 5, the writer Paul in 2 Corinthians is saying it used to be dark, and then when God came through Jesus Christ, it was light, just like we read about in Ephesians chapter 5. You with me? That's the, that's the context here. And he's talking about that it, it, what, things were once hidden in darkness, but now they've been made light. They're no longer hidden. That's the context. Look at verse 6 of chapter 4. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, he's building this argument. you got to see this. He's building this argument that things are different now through Jesus Christ. And, and, and before, it was, it, we were trapped in darkness. There was no way. But, but now we've been given this, this new light, this illumination. We're going to see that it's the presence of God. And to, to, to show that, to, to solidify his argument, he points back actually to a, a previous event to show us what it looks like when God brings light. Because that's what he did when he brought Jesus Christ into the world, and he's trying to show them this is how God works when he brings light. And he, he goes all the way back to the beginning. Look at verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Light to shine out of darkness. Do you remember when that happened, when God commanded for light to shine out of darkness? Now, we're gonna, I'm going to turn back quickly to Genesis chapter 1. But on the way there, I'm going to take a pit stop and invite you to join me in John chapter 1. I know, we're going from, watch this, 2 Corinthians 4 to John chapter 1, and then we're going to go to Genesis 1. Look at what Bible students you are this morning. Huh? When you start to connect scriptures together, that's how you know you're studying it, right? Look at how, you've got to see this, folks. It's, it's the pattern throughout scripture that helps us to see this. John 1.1, 1, 1, John says, in the beginning, remember, for when God commanded light to shine out of darkness, way back in the beginning, that's what John's referring to here, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That's Jesus, the Son. He was there. All things were made through him, verse 3, and without him nothing was made that was made. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the, watch it, light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, John is doing the same thing. He's saying, he's saying listen, there's something that happened when Jesus came and he was going he was about to introduce Jesus Christ in his letter but and to do so he said this Jesus Christ was there from the very beginning he was with God the father God the spirit when creation was made isn't that what he's saying this said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God later on he defines the word as Jesus Christ right and and all things were made back in creation verse 4 and in him was life. Life came. Now, watch how this happens. Back in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning. See, we've gone from Ephesians 5 all the way back to the very beginning to understand that light is the presence of God. In the beginning, are you with me? God created the heavens 
and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and listen, darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. When God created everything that is, that we know to be, listen to me, that we know to be creation, this this physical world, universe, and beyond that we live in, and all that's involved in it, when God was creating that, it says that it started off in darkness. It was creation. It was like when he created man and he formed, he formed man out of the clump of dirt, out of the clay of the earth. And he, he did so. It's like that. It was still darkness until God breathed breath. We looked at it last week, I think. We, we, he breathed breath into man. And then it became something very different, didn't it? God breathed his nature into man. You see the pattern? God creates and then he gives his presence to it. God created, he's creating everything here, and it says that it was dark first, and the Spirit of God was there, the Son of God, by the way, you ought to see this sometime, we'll do a study, I can't do it right now, but right there in verse 2, you actually see evidence in the Hebrew writing that Jesus Christ was there, besides the fact that he was the Word, John said, and when God spoke the Word, that was Jesus Christ himself, I don't understand it, that's okay, nobody understands it, but watch what it shows us, that we do understand. Then God said, let there be light. And in the Hebrew, it just says, light be. And it was. God just said, light. And there was light. God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Now, what what is he creating here? He's he's a light bee, and it came, and it was good. It was dark, but then it was light, and it divided. And we we saw earlier that that it it dispels, pushes out the darkness. And interestingly enough, if you keep reading, he called the the day and night based on the light and the the darkness. But if you keep reading in the account of Genesis, you'll, you'll make this discovery. That God created that light days before he created the sun the moon, and the stars. That we typically recognize as the celestial creation that God uses, created, to govern day and night, light and dark. And it does, but before that, God created in creation the concept of light. And what he was really doing was putting, dividing his creation into that which could be understood and seen and illuminated versus that which could not be. That's the concept. He's really inserting his own presence into creation. Day and night, this will be good, this will be not not good. This will be illumination, understanding. This will be confusion and darkness. And he shows us from the very beginning that where God speaks and inserts light, It is good. It is the very goodness of God. It's his presence. Well, back to John chapter 1. We chased a little rabbit there to give us some foundation. John chapter 1, it said, now let's read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was in the light of men. Life, light is when God shows man who he is. Light is when God tells creation, that's not me, this is me. That's the creation, this is the creator. These are the laws that govern the universe This is the sustaining force that created the laws. Simplified, this is right and this is wrong. God alone, the creator of everything that is, has the right to determine what is right and what is good. And when he reveals it, that's called his light This is good. And it comes in the form of life with men because you know what? We're the only part of creation that can understand God when he says this is good. When God says this is good, the rocks don't quite get it. They don't respond. They don't care if it's light or dark. They're the same rock and they never move. 
Even the animals. Physical light brings natural science, but they don't understand what is right and wrong. And if God reveals himself, the the deer and the antelope and the, and the, the cows and the pigs and the chickens and the insects, they don't understand. They don't comprehend. Light is the life that God puts inside of man that says, you can understand me. You can respond to me. You can acknowledge the goodness of who I am and, and, and worship and love and say, yes, I acknowledge your goodness and your right. You see, you see the picture that's developing of what light is? Keep reading in 1 John, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now he's talking about John the Baptist here. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. He's saying, God's about to send light again, John's saying. That same one that was at creation... And verse 7, this man came for a witness. Verse 8, he was not that light. That's John the Baptist. He wasn't the light, but sent to bear witness of that light. Keep reading. Verse 9, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Jesus, the word, the light. This is what he's saying. The light is the goodness of God as he reveals it. It was that way all the way from creation. God gives that goodness through the life of man and that man can now live and understand who God is. And when God's goodness connects to the life of man, that's man seeing, experiencing, knowing what is light. The light. Okay, if that's... That's sort of where its source is. That's where God, uh, light is, 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 is kind of originated. Where can we find it? Where is light found today? Well, we know that it has something to do with the person of Jesus Christ, right? Because that's what John was just saying. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where we just were a minute ago. And you probably caught it. Are you guys with me? It's a little bit theoretical to start with. It's a little bit out here. Watch this truth start to come into your heart. Watch it right here. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Now we know all that he's talking about. Who has shown in our hearts, us, men, people, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. This is what God is showing us. To understand and to know his glory. To comprehend it. To experience it. Where? Read the last phrase. In the face of Jesus Christ. Light is found in the person. Literally in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus. Now watch this. In a relationship with the heart of a person. You, me, gives light. And it's only found, God is the source, and he directs his light through this anticipated coming of the person, the Godhead, Jesus, his son. He directs light through his son. It's found in his face. It's found in a relationship with Jesus. I just want to tell you this. I'm going to say it again in a little bit, but here it is. You cannot experience what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 5, the light here, without an ongoing, active, vibrant, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's knowing him, understanding him, responding to him, trusting him, believing him. That's where light is found. You can stay right there if you want to, or you can turn to John chapter 12. I'll show you that he said that. He said it's found in him. John 12, 35. See. Man, we're turning to a lot of different passages today. It's good for you. Use more fingers. That's why God gave them to you. Look in John chapter 12, verse 35. Look what it says. Then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Who's he talking about? Himself, exactly. I'll be with you a little while longer. A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, 
believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. Is he talking about? Keep walking with me. Then you skip down to, say, verse 38. Quotes Isaiah. Talks about the Old Testament confusion. And then verse 42. Watch this. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. It's talking about they're being deceived in darkness. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Why did they miss the light? Because they loved the praise of men more than they loved the praise. You see, they turned away from the light, Jesus, and they loved instead what man can do and what man would provide for them more, better than. Verse 44, then Jesus cried out and said, he's crying out here, folks. I'm just guessing when Jesus cries out, we probably should listen. How about you? He's about to say something important. He cries out and says, he who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Jesus says, I've come. The very purpose is to build a relationship. Dying on the cross, putting death away in the grave, and coming back to life, giving the forgiveness through the sacrifice. All that is like, I'm coming as God's light into your heart. If you will come to me, if you will believe me, if you will walk with me, if you will stay with me, you will find the light of God. But the implication there is if you don't, you will remain in darkness, confusion, out of the presence of God. Here's what I want to show you this morning. One of the things that's so important for us, learning what it means to walk in the light of God. Let's look at it in contrast. Where else would you walk? Jesus said, that they love the praises of men more than God, which caused them to walk in darkness. Do you, do you walk in the light of other people? Is there a person that you walk in the light of instead of walking in the light of Jesus Christ? Is there a person, a relationship that you have, a, a character that you know of? Maybe it's even on TV or in the movies? Is there somebody that you look to that says, in the light, in the, in the illumination of what they provide, that's what I choose to walk in. That's where I choose to direct my life based on what they have shown me, based on the approval, the recognition, the affirmation of another person. That's how I choose to walk, to make decisions, to live my life. That's walking in the light of another person, which ultimately leads to darkness. We do that so often today. Are you walking in the light of someone else? Let me ask you another question. Are you walking in the light of something else today? Is there an ideal, a philosophy, a goal, a certain ambition in your life? And who knows where you got it from? But you, if you're honest, you find that you actually are hoping for, working for, saving for, something in life. That if you, could, if you could achieve that, if you can discover it, if you can get there, then life will be better for you. That's in essence your ambition, your goal. We do this in our career all the time. We put so much emphasis so much of how we live life and, and our priorities and who we are based on our careers because our, our thinking is the career, the job, the, whatever it is, the, the position or the income, whatever of your career that you're pursuing, walking after, then that's going to give me the direction in life that I need to go. And so many times as believers in Christ, we're walking in darkness because it's actually the light of something which is not Christ. I want, to, I want to step on a little landmine here today. I want to talk about retirement for just a second. You know, retirement in America is so powerful. 
We, all of us, our culture, our jobs, put so much of what we're doing now in the light of what will happen in retirement. And many I know here are in retirement. Some are very close, making those last-minute adjustments, and some are setting up for that. It tends to be, and I wonder why this is, that in America, in the American church especially, we live our lives in the light of, directed by, governed by, ambitious toward. If we could finally get there, then that's our goal, this concept of one day I won't have to work a job anymore and I'll have enough money to just, come on, be honest with me, do whatever I please. I got news for you. That's darkness. You will not be happy. I'm going to show you in a minute. You will not find joy there. You'll not get what you think you're going to get when retirement is the light that you walk in. Doesn't matter what it is. Jesus said, you believe in me, walk in me. The culture doesn't determine that. Your own ambitions don't determine where you go. A retirement plan or a finance plan, those do, listen to me, I know, I know. It's hard to accept. They do not determine your life. The light of a personal relationship through Jesus Christ and walking where he walks and doing what he does, that is the meaning of the Christian life. That is the place where you find the presence of God. You won't find it anywhere else. Let me say it this way. As long as you remain with Jesus, you avoid darkness. I got, oh boy, I got so much preaching in me today. I'm trying not to blow something. I don't want to be too animated, too excited. Calm down. You know, I hope this doesn't offend you, because I love you, but I'm going to tell it the way it is. The truth of God's word says this. Everything that you need, everything that you're longing for, the goodness of God can only be found in an ongoing, walking relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to say it to you. You cannot maintain a vibrant, walking relationship with Christ without immersing yourself in his body. The church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. I know what the culture says. I know what America has made it. I know what Christianity has made it. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the living, active body. The primary place, first and foremost, in your life where you're going to find God working. If you walk in the light and remain in the light of God, you will be, I promise you, there's no exceptions, you will be immersed in the work that God is doing in the local church, the body of Christ that he's called you to, gifted you for, and connected you with. And it's time for Christians. Do you want to walk in the light or stay in the confusion of darkness? It's time for Christianity, believers in Christ, to begin committing their life to the church in Jesus Christ before their career, to the church in Jesus Christ before their retirement, to the church in Jesus Christ before your vacation and your hobbies. Yes, I said it. Now, it's not to say that there's not a place for all those things. We have jobs. We have retirement age, Social Security. We have vacations, and we have hobbies. But what are you living your life for? I'm just telling you, if you're living your life for Jesus Christ, if you remain in his light, those things will have their proper place on the periphery of your life instead of driving it. And then the church being on the periphery. If you just come here every once in a while to get your little tickle feel good and hear Bud preach and sing a song or two, I would say there's a good chance you're walking in darkness, my friend. And listen, I'm saying that seriously. That breaks my heart. Because you're going to be so confused, you're going to be so groping, looking, searching, and empty as a believer. What does it mean to walk in light? It means to stay where Jesus is. It means to 
determine your actions based on what he is showing you in your life here and now. Finally, I want to show you where the light takes you. That's its source. That's where we find it. Where does it take us? If we stay in the light, where does it take us? Psalm 16. Hey, we know this. Staying in the light, let me, let me just, a little quiz. True or false? Staying in the light means staying in God's presence. True? How many say true? Okay, hands down. False? How many say false? Good. 100%, you pass. Staying in God's light, relationship with Jesus, going where he goes, doing what he does, is synonymous with staying, remaining in the presence of God. Now look at what Psalmist says in chapter 16. Verse, let's just going to pick it up right here towards the end. Verse 10, for you will not leave my soul in shield, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Hey, 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 hey. He's talking about, uh-oh, you won't allow my life to be a miserable existence. You won't let me continue to live experiencing only corruption, darkness, only disappointment, only depression, only frustration and anxiety. He said, you won't allow me to stay there, God. Why? Look what it says in verse 11. You will show me the path of life. Remember what John said? The light of God is the life he gives to men. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. In your presence is the fullness of joy. I don't really think many of us understand what it means, like in this body, in this life, to be in the presence of God. I mean, sometimes we do, we get glimpses and pieces, and I don't know, maybe you do, but for the most part, it's something that eludes us as Christian folk today. You, what does it mean to really stay in the presence of God? Because if I can figure that out, folks, it says, in your presence, God, not in my life, not in my plans, not in the world's path for me, but in your presence is the fullness, the absolute completeness of joy. It's like saying there's no better place to be in this human existence than in the presence of God where you find the fullness of joy. I have a little illustration to help us with this. I need three volunteers. People that can walk up and down stairs, preferably, because this is going to require some up and down. So three volunteers, quickly come. Three, three. So I got some props, too. I got one. I got two. I got three. All right. Okay. Mike gets a $100 bill. You get the clock. Now, we need two friends. Does anybody want to come be a friend today? Okay, come on up, Sherry. Make sure you can go up and down stairs now. Go ahead, we'll take three. Come on up, ladies. All your lady friends, your sisters in Christ are coming. Here they come. All right. So we have three scenarios. And, and I think this is pretty typical for most of us. You can find yourself somewhere in here. Let's talk about the struggles of life. Because if, if it's truly, if it's true, what I'm reading here in verse 10, that there's no better place to be in the presence of God, because that's the fullness of joy, then, then why am I experiencing so much conflict, so much angst, so much difficulty. So we have this struggle in life with the money. Anybody here struggle with finances? We're about to see how many people are honest today. At some point, some of us struggle more than we think, right? There's a lot of struggles that have to do with finances. What am I going to do with this money? How do I get more money, right? Well, how much of your life how much of your energy and, and focus, like the goal of what's going to drive me this week, why am I going to do what I'm going to do this week, is dictated, governed by how much money I will have or what I'm going to do with my money. We're constantly struggling with money. And some people are finding themselves in deep, dark circles of confusion and bitterness when it comes to money, finances. And then we have clock, the time, scheduling. What do you do? With the, how many people struggle with 
what am I supposed to be doing with this moment, this day? My schedule. How many struggle with trying to fit enough into one day today? Right? Do we find, boy, God has a clever enemy, doesn't he? He has so spun up this world that we just, we can't hardly exist in this world without jumping on the fast train. And it's just like, how do you even survive today? There's all kinds of things. You're bombarded by opportunities and decisions and appointments and phone calls and people, right? What am I going to do with my calendar, my schedule? Struggling with time. Can I just get some time to myself? What about a vacation? That's time. Get away. Rest. And then we have relationships. How many people struggle with somebody else in life? Well, how many of you know me? See? Anybody who knows me, you struggle with somebody in your life right there. So we cover it all. Aren't there relationships? Aren't there issues? And maybe it's somebody at work or a, a friend, an associate, a person in your life. Maybe it's a church member. I don't know. Maybe it's your spouse. We str- Anybody ever have an argument in your marriage? Okay. We're, we're in the right room. Sometimes those arguments turn into silent treatment, bitterness, anger. Sometimes they lead to divorce, don't they? In this room. Parents, children, formers, old acquaintances. In life, we're always struggling with relationships, aren't we? We're suspicious of people by nature. People are, are deceitful. And we never know if they can really be trusted. And, and we're always wondering, that's a struggle. That's a real battle. Those are three areas that all of us struggle And I would venture to say that, if we're honest, in these areas of life, we're not always experiencing what I would call the fullness of joy, are we? Here's what I want to show you. Do you realize that all three of those battles are things that we will face no matter what? That's part of life. What if you could have those very same struggles, okay, Guys, come on up to the stage. Let's imagine that up here is a great big light from heaven, and it shines on this stage, and this is the presence of God. Now, that's not the presence of God. That's in darkness. That's just fending for yourself in the world. But up here, in the presence of God, you sort of just crawl into God's lap, and you don't really have to worry about what's beyond or what's going to happen. You still have the same struggles, don't you? Finances and and scheduling and time and relationships, because we all have those things. Except what if we can live in the light of the presence of God with those very same struggles and experience the fullness of joy? Or, go back down, guys, or we can choose, take our struggles with us, the same ones, the same issues most likely, and be outside of God's light, God's presence, and the fullness of joy. You see what he's saying? He's saying, you are the source in life that allows me to live with all of the stuff that I have to face in this world and still know the fullness of joy, to still be content. Could you imagine struggling like, like, like Mike up here with the money, struggling with finances, but, but having to make decisions with finances, never giving a second thought to anything else, but it's all going to be fine. God has this under control. There's nothing I can do outside of God's glorious light and provision. Even if I lose all my money or it all goes to the place I don't think or I don't make enough or there's not enough, all of that, if if I still stay right here, I'm still in God's presence. The rest of the world deteriorates, falls away in destruction, and I'm still in the glory of God's presence and nothing will harm me. Can you imagine that kind of peace? Or relationships? Okay, guys, thanks. Thank our volunteers. Give them a hand, would you? Thanks. Thank you. We're going to come back to this in just a second, so I'll leave them right here. That's what it means today, and that's where light takes us. Now, if I say that to you, how many find, find yourself saying, well, I want that. I could use that in my life. I'd like to be able to stay, reside in the presence of God. But the truth is that we've gotten sidetracked, deceived, because 
God does have an enemy, and he's called the deceiver. I wrote these thoughts down this week as I was contemplating. As long as we're stumbling around, shrouded in darkness, not really sure what's true and what's not, we'll never be able to see God for who he really is, nor will we see his enemy for who he is. What we need is a spotlight that pierces the darkness and lays bare all of his evil schemes, the systems, and the illusions. The truth of God's word is that light. The fact is, listen, you never met a magician as astounding as the devil. Houdini has nothing on him. Satan is the master illusionist. He pulls the wool over our eyes, causing us, listen, to think happiness exists where it doesn't. That security is offered where it isn't. He makes evil appealing and righteousness boring. He makes, entices us. We leave the path, moving on to addiction, joylessness, and emptiness. That's why a spouse can feel justified in having an affair. Or a young adult can be convinced she won't be harmed by playing with morally questionable fire. Or a business person can feel excused for making a less than honorable deal. Somehow, the enemies created the illusion in their minds that they are exception to the rules. That's what happens in darkness to all of us. We're enticed into thinking that the thing that will not be good for us is actually what we want. And the thing that will be good for us is the thing that we don't really want. That's what darkness does. There's only one way to see that clearly, to have the better perspective, and that is to come to the light where God reveals and God speaks and God says, this is my way, walk in it. This is what is true. This is righteousness. That is darkness. That is evil. Have no fellowship with that. Walk in this light. You see, guys, it's so much more Christianity than this endless set of rules and regulations that make our life miserable. It's the very path of joy. Well, that's where we see joy is in the presence of God. But joy is also in the forgiveness of God. Excuse me, light is also in the forgiveness of God. Back to Ephesians 5. We've got to close up here, so you're thinking fast? I'll try to talk fast. You think fast. Light is the forgiveness of God. Look what he says, Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Now watch this. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Fellowship is communion. Fellowship is agreement. Fellowship is doing together, participating together. He says, don't participate together with the things of darkness. Don't walk in them. Don't embrace them. For expose them instead, he says. For it's shameful to even speak of those things that are done by them in secret. Well, you know, it used to be a day where those kind of things were shameful to even put on television. Hey, can I just ask you? I'm just, I don't know why God... I just really want to get in your kitchen today and stir things up. I'm sorry. What do you watch on TV? I've really had to examine in my life reading through this passage today, this week. What do you entertain yourself with on the screen? Why is that entertaining to you? Are they things, listen to me carefully, do you watch in the movies and on television things that are shameful in the eyes of God. And then you enjoy them. For entertainment. When we watch fantasy on television, it's as if sort of living it out in our own life, in our imagination. And he said, 
Don't have fellowship with those things. Now, the truth is, you can't hardly get away from sex in today's world, can you? I mean, you can't turn on the television without that stuff. You can't walk like you're going to be encountered by it. You're going to be tempted by it. So am I. Sometimes you're going to have fellowship with darkness. Guess what God has done to help us? He offers forgiveness. He offers repentance. 1 John chapter 1. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. See that? They're mutually exclusive. You have fellowship with darkness, it means you're not having fellowship with God. You say, oh, I'm walking in darkness. I'm watching all this stuff and laughing at the jokes and doing this. Oh, I still have fellowship with God because I go to church on Sunday. He said, you're lying to yourself. Ooh. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. You see, he's, he's equating this fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. If it's wrong, if you are lying to yourself, look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession and repentance is one of God's greatest gifts to the disciple. You see, it's not about perfection. It's about confession. It's about constantly seeing, oh, Lord, I, I walked too close into the darkness. I, I wandered into the darkness. I repent of that. I turn from that. I don't want that. Forgive me of that. And I mean, what other faith, religion, philosophy on the world says that every time when you wrong God, if you will return and through Jesus Christ ask for forgiveness, he always does. He restores. That when we walk in the light, we walk into the darkness, we can come back to the light. Light is forgiveness of God. In our pride, we think sometimes, you know, I can only ask for forgiveness when I really blow it, when I've, when I've done the worst of the worst of the worst, and, and then I need to ask for forgiveness because things are really going to get messed up. And It's our pride. It's, I don't want to have to come to God every five minutes, every half a day or every morning. I don't want to constantly have to come to him and say, I am wrong. But you are. You are wrong. You have had fellowship with darkness. Don't lie. Don't continue in darkness and go further into darkness. He says, come back to the light of Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? Forgiveness. Repent and ask for forgiveness. And God cleanses us and restores us. No matter how far into darkness you have gone, my friend, there is always a step back toward the direction of God's light. And he will meet you there. Every single time. Light is God's presence. Light is the forgiveness of God. And finally in Ephesians 5, I want to show you that light is the power of God. It's the power of God. You remember in uh, Ephesians 5, our text here that we're looking at, he said, you, you were once darkness, now you're light. Well, so what do I do? Now I'm light. Walk as children in light. He said, live that way. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's interesting. He said, let me rephrase it. See if this is what he's saying. The results of what God does in your life is really good. It's righteous. That's what it says. The, the fruit of the Spirit, that's what God does. Results, that's fruit, is goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
In other words, when you're in the light, walking in the light, God's presence, God's forgiveness, then what he is doing in your life, the results that come from your life, is all goodness. It's all righteousness. It's all truth. You don't even have to worry about how things will turn out when you're walking in the light with Jesus Christ. I mean, is that freeing or what? You don't even have to judge. Is this really right? You walk in the light And the results that God does is always right. You walk in the light of God. And what is percepted, what is perceived, what a perception of his life is always true. And loving truth. That's the work of God. It's his work. It it, it is the power of God. It's what he does that you can't do. You must take one step today. So what do I do with this power? What do I do with this light? How, how do I find the power of God? Let me teach you a principle, and then we'll close. God reveals light. He shows himself, usually through his word, through prayer, and through circumstances. All right? That's the golden triangle right there, folks. What's happening in your life? Take that to God in prayer. And look through the scriptures, the word of God, and see what he tells you. That's like saying, God is giving light. And when God reveals light, our responsibility, are you ready? Because it's all been God up until this point. Is to stay in the light. How do I do that? God reveals through his word. Which always, oh church, always always, always ends up in us needing to respond. When God reveals his light, it always means there is somewhere, something that we must do to respond to the light that God shows us. We don't get to just stay up and daddy in his lap and just hide and never do anything and just think that's for everybody else to do, at some point he moves, he walks, he goes into life, into your circumstances. And to stay walking in the light means to respond as God reveals. So even if I'm struggling in those relationships like we looked at earlier, or my schedule, or the finances, whatever I'm struggling in, when I bring those into the light, I know that I can continue to struggle with those in peace, with joy. I can now lay those before God. But at some point, friend, listen, at some point, God's light is going to say, here's what I want you to do. And then we have to respond. Let me give you an example. Give, and it shall be given to you. Does the Bible say that? Do you like this? It is more blessed to receive than it is to give. Did I get that wrong? That's not what it says, huh? I'm just seeing if you're sleeping. It's more blessed to than to. We see up here in the light of God. Remember, He has the one that the right to show us what is true, what is good. Now I have to respond, don't I? Hey, listen, when that basket comes by in a little while, that's not just us saying, hey, could you help us out, give us a little money, we need to pay the power bill. That is so much more. It is, will you choose to do what God says to do? Give, and it shall be given to you. Are your financial struggles because you are wrestling with this pride and greed and materialism that's so prevalent in this world down here in the darkness and you have no conception of what to do with those dollars or how to make them work or where to get out but when you come into the light and God begins to reveal and shed he shows you his ways he shows you his peace he shows you his power and his power comes as you choose to respond by faith I believe you God I will do your way same thing with our schedule and with our relationships. 
Do I choose to love others unconditionally or do I choose not to? That's all based on do I understand what the light is telling me, what God is showing me? Do I see it right? Are you all with me? Because I'm not going to be done until we get this. Are you with me? You see, look, the power that comes from God, he's able to do anything and everything. And he brings us into his presence. There's the fullness of joy in his presence. And in order for us to remain in that presence, we have to walk. We have to stay in the light. That means take one step at a time. God reveals light. And when you respond to the light, God reveals more light. Write that down. You can take that with you this week. God reveals to the light. He reveals light. When you respond to the light, then he reveals more light. If you don't respond to the light, there's no more revelation. There's no more insight. And listen to me carefully. There's no more power of God. It dries up. And you end up living just like the church in Ephesus was living that frustrated Paul so much that he wrote this letter called Ephesians. You have so much more available for you. Your identity in Christ is so much more than you possibly know. If you will walk in love and if you will walk in light, you will find all of the wealth and the riches that God has given as an inheritance to you, his children, his church. Walk in the light this week. Let's pray. We bow our heads and close our eyes. Would you just pray with me? This humble, sincere God, thank you for giving light. Thank you for being light. Without you, what you show us, what you give to us, we're lost, hopeless, and confused. And this morning, you are dwelling in darkness you don't know the light of God's forgiveness let me invite you make a very important decision right here right now will you choose to believe in Jesus as the son of God the atonement for your sins his death burial and resurrection for you for your sins so that you can be forgiven will you believe that and then will you just confess it to God just pray God I know that I'm a sinner I, I can't get right on my own I want to walk into the light, Jesus. You died for me, my sins. And I choose to accept your free offer of forgiveness and grace. Come into my life. I want to be your disciple. And for others of us this morning, listen, I know there's confusion, there's darkness somewhere in my life. I, I, I need to get out of it. God, I just want to go where you are right now. Where are you working? What do you say? What do you show me in my life today, God? Holy Spirit of God, open up my eyes. I run to you, Jesus. I will go where you are, and I will do what you say because in your presence is the fullness of joy and I want to remain there Lord I choose to respond right here Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys are going to help with offering if you'll come forward at this time. We just keep worshiping right now, okay? Uh, don't look at the clock. There's nothing to see there. Just, you know. Um, we have an opportunity to worship. And, and listen to me, church, carefully, please. And to respond to God today. With regard to your finances...
Stay with me. Look at me right here, church. Look at me for a second. You have a chance right now to respond to God with regard to your finances. I'm not saying what that is because I have no idea. I'm not God. But if you will look to God and listen to God, he will show you what is right. He will show you his light. And you just simply respond, and then you can trust for more light. Make your offering a response to God this morning. Put on the back of your chat card your response to God this morning. I I choose to do this, God. You said your word. I believe yes in relationships, in schedule, in finances. And let that be worship. Let that be your offering to God. Enter into the joy of your salvation as we worship. Father, thank you so much for giving us abundantly, immeasurably, beyond what we could think, ask, or imagine. And this morning, with regard to this offering, whether it's our chat card and what we choose to do in response to your light, or our finances and our financial gift, our offering this morning, we do it unto you as a response to you. And we trust you for your joy. In Jesus' name, amen.